Hey Al. Uh-huh. <laughs> See, usually I sing. Yeah. I rap, but that was an instrumental. That's it was incredible. Did you can you name that tune? Rocky. That was yes, the theme song from Rocky. And there's a method to my madness because it's not I'm just not trying to make sweet music. There's a method behind it. Because with us today, in my opinion, is the real Italian stallion, the original Italian stallion, stallion, Mr. Gennaro. His friends call him Jerry Macaron. How are you, Jerry? I'm good. Mm-hmm. How Thank, about you? Very good. Thanks for being with us today. You're welcome. Uh, so, Jerry, speaking of Italian stallion, you are originally from Italy. And yes. I, uh, what part of Italy are you from originally? Uh, about 40 miles from Naples, a town called Rocca Monfina. Say that again. A town called Rocca Monfina. Rocca Monfina. Yeah. If I'm saying that correctly. Yeah. Excellent. So you, you grew up there? How, what, what point did you come to America? I was 15 when I left Italy. I was 14 when I got into the United States. That doesn't make sense. You were 15 when you left Italy. 40, it, it, was that like a problem with the paperwork? Is that no, what it was? No. In Italy, we, we played a, a little bit different than the United States. When we like 14 and a half, 14 and three quarters, okay. we say 15. Oh. Over here, you're, you're not 15 until that day. You turn 15. Oh, so, so it works different in the least. I thought you so, found the phone or youth or something. When you came over, so, you... Uh, <laughs> so that's, that was it. So when I came over here and I started my age, you know, 15, 15, mm-hmm. and then uh, somebody says, what's your date of birthday? I says, Feb- February 17, 1940. Right. He says, you're not, you're not 15, you're, you're 14. I said, no, I'm 15. Yeah, I yeah. Said, no, you're going to be 15 in February. Ah. Oh. And this was like in January. Wow. So one month takes me back a year, I guess. <laughs> I lost a year. Yeah. So so how old are you now? I'm 81. 81. God bless you. You look yeah. like you're like about 51. Yeah, right. That's what happens when you stay in, stay in shape. And actually, your February 17th your birthday, that's the same. You know it's the same exact birthday as one of my sons. My son, Nick. Uh, yep, you have the same, same birthday. Yep, oh, February 17th. Yeah. Absolutely. So you came over at... 15 and then you lost an age uh, lost a year um so what was like like in life like in italy do you remember that much about it oh yeah i yeah. remember a lot of in italy i remember i used to work in the farms like in italy we worked like as kids mm-hmm. eight nine ten years old it's not like uh, you like over here they don't do nothing <laughs> <laughs> but right. we, we yeah. worked you know we worked in yeah. the farms we you know 11 12 years old we used to carry the 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 wheat for the you know when the the wheat for the to make the bread the flowers okay yeah mm-hmm. mm-hmm. we we grow it then in, in the month of august we they cut it down we bundle it up mm. and we carry it all night long because uh, it was too hot in the, during the day right and so we used to do that me and um, my brother mm. he, we load up the, the donkey and one to take the trip the other one would sleep there Okay. You take shifts. Take take, take turns. Right. Yeah. Now, was your was your that your father's occupation? Was he a farmer? Yeah, we all farmers around there. Yeah. Oh, nice. So you you like grew up in like a countryside area. Yeah, of, but then when know. we make the hair for the horses, mm-hmm. we kind of are making a in a long strip. But when you somebody's got a guide, we didn't have no gloves on. Oh wow! And uh, we get tons in the inside, and they used to stick in my hands mm. like. 
I can get, I can't wait to get out of there. Wow, that's what that's why you became such a tough guy because of your working conditions when you were well, a young kid, right? Well, I didn't. I really didn't like to work when I when I was young until I started having kids. Really, oh, right. I, I worked, but I mean, I, I my my brother was a worker. Right. Well, what kids really like to work? Well, some do, but I mean, yeah, most I of them nowadays none. I mean, yeah. he, Jerry didn't have video games. Video that's games true. No, would have no, ruined him. No, we you know what we had. We okay. had. Uh, a, a rag ball to play soccer. A rag ball? Well, we couldn't afford uh, a soccer ball. We couldn't afford a, 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 a oh. rubber ball. Mm-hmm. Or, or we used to kick around the cans or the balls since little kids, you know. Right. And me and my brother were, were always good soccer players. Oh, my wow. brother was one of the best. Didn't want him to leave Italy. Oh. And that's how good he was. He was that good? Wow. Yeah. Now, did he did he continue to play soccer when he? We got over? continued to play soccer when we got here. Uh-huh. He played professional over here. Oh wow! And uh, I played uh, amateur and, and semi pro. And uh, oh, see, it, I didn't it, know that. It, was he uh, older it's, or younger? He's ago, two years older. Wow! Yeah. So, um, so so you came over, and what was the reason your family came over? It was just a better life, better life, better quality of life. Because my mother, my mother was born in America. Mm-hmm. And uh, my grandfather had a, a business in New York. Okay. And it was a big tale of business. And uh, then he got sick with anxiety. Mm-hmm. And I, I I believe that anxiety came into the family because I went up with anxiety in the later right. years, yeah, maybe. We talked can, about that, yep. yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, the doctor told him, go take a couple of months, go back to Italy for a couple of months. And you, you see, you you settle down, you come back, and you'll be okay. So he went out there, and he started feeling so good that he, he didn't want to come back no more. So my wife, my mother was stuck out there. She was only six years old when she went out there. Okay. So then she got married, you know, then you voted in Italy, and when you vote, you, you lose the the citizenship of... Uh, United States. Of your birth, uh, yeah. Oh, wow, wow, wow. So... Me and my brother could have came at any time because until uh, we were uh, recognized as American citizen mm-hmm. until the age of 18. If we didn't come before 18, we would have lost that right. So, But she mm-hmm. says, if I send you out there, you know, you can't work. What are you going to do? So you were minors. Mm-hmm. So she decided to come in 1953. And she's, she was here for 16 months before us. Mm-hmm. She worked night and day. She worked 8 to 4.30, go home, have supper, mm. and go back to work at 6 o'clock to 10 o'clock. Wow. Yeah, and uh, she did that every day for 16 months like that. And when we got here, she had uh, all the apartment ready for us, all the furniture, the stove, the refrigerator, the beds, the, the the parlor, sets, the TV. She had everything paid in cash. You know? Oh, wow. Yeah, she didn't know. She didn't uh, She saved like every penny. All she nice. did, sleep and eat, sleep and eat. Yeah, and work. Yeah, she, so, sa- she sacrificed. So we, we came here in, 1950, in December 1954. Okay. All right. So, so um did, did you now did you know Eng, no english no oh, english. you had to you had to or learn english when you got here <laughs> no english yeah. i go to the store and I, and I, and i was telling him in italian i'm how much is this one yeah, day yeah. and and the, the girl said what do you want so i thought what he want was the price but i didn't understand, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't understand the price so yeah, i yeah. so i says all right so, 
So I put the money on the account that she would take out whatever, uh, you know, was the price for the, the stuff. So we, and we, we learned, you know, we, I was, I was a wise kid. I was a punk at, at those days. Yeah, you were a punk. Uh, I w- yeah, I was, uh, you know, uh, I loved fighting. Yeah. And that's the first thing we, we had a, uh, they had a big gang up in Federal Hill right, right at the street, but I was uh Gasol Street, the Night Street. Yeah. So me and my friend, like one day, were, we're walking, you know, just take a, a walk uh, at night, and we, and two guys come up, and now my friend was here for over a year, so he could understand, you know, he could speak English. Right. And these guys, bah, 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 bah. I, got, I don't know, I says, what are they saying? They said, uh, the, my friend says, this is the, there's two of them and two of us, and they want to fight. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I says, tell him. Tell them, I says, I'll fight them both myself. <laughs> big, so, big mistake, huh, Jerry? So, so the guy, so the guy came from behind me. What want to get you from the back? Like, yeah, but he's talking English. I can't understand. Right. And the other one in the front. So my friend tells me. So I told him, uh, I told him, tell, tell him to go ahead and do it. So the guy comes in the back, and the other guy in the front. I, I flipped the guy over my head and dropped him. And uh, on top of the other guy. Wow! So they and, didn't know. They didn't know what they were getting into. Yeah. So they, uh, no, they had a big gang over there. So we, when they took off, they ran away. We took off and went to the next street over. It was where I lived. Mm. And so they, they uh, came over there with about 40, 50 guys. Oh! Did you take them all on? <laughs> <laughs> That's a lot of flipping. No. So uh, they came over there for. And they said, uh, and all I could, we could hear, Jerry, they know my name, yeah. Jerry, Jerry. And uh, he's screaming and screaming. So my brother says, shut up. Yeah. And uh, so then my my friend that could speak English, he, he interpreted, he talked to him, and he told him what happened. Hmm. And when he told him what happened, they, they got those guys and they, they gave them a beating. Oh, wow. <laughs> so wow. They're their own friends. <laughs> Yeah. So you were talking this to happen on Federal Hill, and for those who aren't from this area, Federal Hill is like Rhode Island's, I would say, Little Italy, like small, yeah, but I, I, you know, be yeah. comparable to like Boston and New York's Little Italy. It was more like Little. It, it was back a, in it the was day. Yeah, it was a na- it's a neighborhood, but yeah. it's a mostly Italian. Yeah. So we know that you're a tough guy. You were a tough guy. Um, as far as the fighting part, when, at what point did you uh, learn how to fight? Because you know you. Um, as we spoke, we were at, you're a boxing trainer and cut, cut man. Cut man. Um, so you were a boxer at first. Um, what, what age and how did you uh, become familiar with boxing? Well, when I was in Italy, I, I, I was looking. There are no gyms in Italy, but I always wanted to, you know, get in the gym and box. And uh, mm-hmm. and uh, so I, when I get over here, I, you don't know your language and you don't know how to get around and stuff. So. So I started off at the YMCA. They had a they had a bag down there, and you could punch the bag. They had the speed bag and stuff like that. Yeah. And then I got uh, connected with this guy Johnny Curcio from up Federal Hill. You was mm-hmm. a fighter. Now you you started in Italy. Did you? No, just no. Start? I, I oh. wanted it. Oh, but, but they didn't have they, anything no, there. No okay. Gyms. So when you came here, yeah. that's when. Okay. So I started with this giant, this guy Johnny Curcio from up, up Federal Hill. He was a uh, 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 no fighter and. And the thing is, a lot of the old fighters don't make good trainers. All right. So um, 
So I, I started um, boxing back in 1956, and, and then we found a gym on uh, West Minnesota Street. Mm -hmm. uh, then the CYO, I don't know if you guys are familiar with the CYO up yeah. on uh, Point Street. Mm -hmm. I, I started going up there, and uh, then they opened up a gym up Federal Hill. Uh, it was a, a market up there. And on top of the market, they opened up a gym, and me, they I had this friend, his name was Ang Giorgio. He was the toughest guy i ever seen. Mm -hmm. You could have hit this guy with a slop jam. Right? <laughs> yeah. 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 So me and him used to train together, run together, push one another. And and uh, so then uh, um, I, he, he, was, he was a pro fighter. He was a welterweight. So I used to go to the fights. And uh, eventually, he, uh, you know, uh, he uh, asked me to, uh, 19, I think it was 1964, he asked me to start training him. Mm -hmm. And that's how I, I would train my first professional fighter. He, he says, I want to see what I can do. I don't want to wait 20, 30 years from now and say I could have did this and mm -hmm. I could have did that. Yeah. But he was tough. I, yeah. But he, you know, he wasn't always in good shape. So sometimes he used to take uh, fights on uh, short notice just to get some money. Mm. And I remember one time he, um, uh, he needed money for Christmas, and he went to this guy, Joe Saletti. They used to promote some of the fights, mm -hmm. and, and he used to connect to get him fights. So he came back and he says, Hank, he says, I got you a fight. At, uh, uh, it's $125 for an eight-rounder. Mm -hmm. Uh, he says, but he's the New England champ. Oh, wow. So uh, he says, yeah. He says, I, I need the money. He says, I'll go. And he fought, he, he, he fought that guy in Maine. That's what is it, the other guy's hometown. And he lost the fight, but mm -hmm. he went the distance with the guy. Wow. And Impressive, the, yeah. And uh, the paper says, uh, the newspaper says, uh, Gene Eric will never meet another uh, tougher guy than, Je than Hank Giorgio. So, so in that, and I, this was like a couple of years earlier. Then he, he told me like I wanted to try. I wanted to try now because I don't want to wait twenty, thirty years, and then right. you don't know what uh, what I could have been. So, so I started training him, and then uh, he. Uh, that's how I trained my first pro fighter. Mm -hmm. And then uh, a couple of years after, he he got uh, a brain tumor. Oh no. And how old was he at this time around? Uh, this was in 1968. He was uh, uh, 20, wow. 29. Wow, 29. 29. Yeah, he was a year older than me. So, oh, six, actually six months older than me. But uh, they, I went to see him in the hospital. They split his head from one side to the other. And he had a first operation. Then he had to get a second operation. And the, and the tumor was wrapped around his brain. Hmm. They couldn't, like, get it all at once. So they wanted to do a third operation, and he, and he says, no, he says, I'd rather die. He says, then go through that again. Right. Then he got, he got cancer in the liver, yeah, in the so pantries, yeah. in the pantries. The pancreas, pancreas. Pancreas. Yep. That's tough. And, uh, and he died within six months. Oh. He died in 1987, so... Mm -hmm. But then I started training his brother, and I started training uh, other fighters. I had this guy, 
Dougie Millette, that was really, really talent, and but he was hooked on uh, drugs. Mm. And uh, he was, I mean, when he was right, nobody nobody could touch him. Right. But he was, when he was... When he was in, when he was in that stuff, we actually fought uh, uh, one year in uh, Larry Holmes' brother, Mark Holmes. He was thirty-one on one. Wow! And uh, and he went a distance with him, and he gave him a good fight. And then I found out he was doing drugs the week before. Oh wow! So, uh, but yeah, we we had a lot of experience, and we had uh, uh, you know Dino Dennis. Uh, we had Tony Scarra. Tony Scarra was a tough, tough kid, mm-hmm. powerful kid. I mean, he used to take guys six foot three, six foot four, and and, and knock them cold. Wow! So we had we had in, back in 1981, we had one of the best boxing teams in the New England area. Wow! You know, including the Petronelli, they had, they had Marvin Angle and all that. But we we had uh, we had a really great team. Wow. So, so so you so you transferred into into training and um so you've been doing it since 19 what 64 64 that's a long time. So you've trained many many boxers then. Yeah. Oh yeah. So um so how how was life back then? Like what I mean you you know a boxing is the boxing industries of kind of I don't could be a little shady, right? Yeah, uh, shady. Yeah. They call it um, the red light. Yeah, it, it, it's much. it's aggressive. It's it's a very uh, prideful. A lot a lot of things going on with the boxing, right? Yeah. And how were how how were you? Could you were the same of mentality because you were in that um, in that world, right? Yeah, and the the thing is, when you're in that world and you uh, and you got one of the best teams around, all the fighters want to go with you. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you heard that people want to go with the with the best trainers. Right. I used to have. I had another guy from Boston. They used to come and train with Doug Mallette, and mm-hmm. and he was um, he was one of the top ten middleweight in the world, mm. and uh, Vinny Curdo. and uh, he, uh, he. I trained him to go to well, with Sylvester Stallone. Oh wow! Wow! And uh, so he went to the Sylvester Stallone. They sent me a picture. Was it? Signed for by Sylvester Stallone, the, and then he eventually he got in the movies because I see him in the movies, oh, wow. uh, <laughs> in the, uh, what do you call the Texas Ranch, the Texas, Texas Ranger, yeah, is it, is it like with the Chuck Norris, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, oh, yeah, okay. I saw him and I saw him in a couple of those movies, yeah, yeah, that, yeah, okay, so he, so I guess with. Uh, uh, Sylvester Stallone hooked him up in the movies after that, but, but uh, you know he he used to travel from Boston to come and train with me over here. But oh, the wow. the business side of, bos- of boxing is kind of tough, right? The yeah. business side is is yeah, it's it's rough. horrible. Yeah. yeah, yeah, right. So, um, but um, back in 1980, now I accept the Lord. Okay, so so, so in this time period, that I'm training these fighters. Mm-hmm. Except the Lord, but I was like the the people in the uh, the Corinthians. Mm-hmm. Paul talks about that in the Corinthians. Yeah, he says I gotta give you. Uh, I can't give you uh, solid food because you're you're a baby. Right. So uh, you're still worldly. Right. In other words, so you become a believer, but you're still world because it takes uh, like sanctification to get to the, to the point where you really. No God, right? And 
and you need to dig into the word. The word. Right. But I wasn't doing. I was reading a little bit of the Bible, but I wasn't really digging in and try to find out. I really didn't know God for the whole decade, for, right. from 1980 to 1990. Mm-hmm. Then in 1990, I surrendered my life to the Lord. It's okay. actually right up the street from here, Lexington Avenue. Oh, yeah. Yep. No Province Assembly of God? Yep, that's my church. That's your no. church? Yeah, it's a restoration church now. That's, it was Assembly that's of God. What I, that's Is what that I, Manzo? Uh, Pat, Pat Manzo, Manzo was, yeah. was the pastor then, but that's when I, I surrendered my life to the Lord because mm-hmm. back in the 90s and the 80s, I got saved. I mean, I thought I got saved. Uh, and I still believe that because of First Corinthians, I still believe that you got saved at that point. Absolutely. But but it wasn't because many times, like I, I started gambling. I was gambling because I couldn't keep up with my work and the kids. Mm-hmm. I had kids and I and I work uh, a day shift and mm-hmm. I used to work with my brother at night painting. Yep. And then uh, after a while... We, uh, in the winter time, we paint inside, and I used to hit to paint inside. You hit paint. Oh, oh okay, inside yeah. Because you got to watch everything, you mm-hmm. drop it, and, mm-hmm. and uh, you know you got to put the things. I I didn't like it, so uh, we were making like six dollars a night for four hours. Wow, so, that's not so bad. A dollar, a dollar, <laughs> a dollar and a half an hour. Wow. So I said to myself, I night can. I was on the page. I can go on the on the poker table uh-huh. and make twenty bucks a night. Mm. And I'm making six dollars over here, right. so I began started gambling, and I started keep tracking what I make, and I was making like uh, seven eight hundred dollars a month. Wow! So, uh, so that's how we started gambling, and uh, but back in the eighties, now when I when I became a believer, I'm saying, uh, you know, Lord, take whatever stands between us. It's easier to say take what stands between you and I. Mm-hmm. But it's hard to let go. Right. So I said, take what I said. And then I used to say, no, no. In my in my spirit, I used to say, no, don't take my card game. Don't take my ball game. Because yeah. they, that was my living. I used to make more money on that than I, than I did at work. Right. So by 1990, when I surrendered my life right up here to the Lord, and I see like people's like joy, like in the worshiping God. Yeah. And I says, I says, Lord, I, I, that was the first time I really raised my eyes to the Lord. I says, Lord, take whatever stands between you and I, but I want that. I want what. But what have. made you go to the church that day? I've been going to the church. I've been oh, going oh, for, I, I was gone for a decade. Right. To that same church? No. Oh, it was a different church. Yeah, because, yeah, yeah. because I had my, my sister-in-law, my wife's twin sister, she got saved in 1973, and she kept bugging my wife, and she found the joy, they found the secret, she, wanted, she found that treasure, mm. and she wanted to share with the family, the people she know, and other mm. people. And that's how it is when, when you really know the Lord. You want right. to share it. And she was, so five years later, my wife, she got saved in 1978. Yeah. And now the both of them, they, they, they're trying to minister to me. Mm. And Which I is used, a tough, was a tough thing to, to do, them, right? And I used to tell them where to go, not in, <laughs> not in a nice way. No. So we went through a lot. And, but then when they see me get upset and get mad, I had so much, so much anger in, in me that you, mm-hmm. you can't even believe it. Now, now you know, we, I asked you on the podcast because, you know, because 
of your life and as a testimony you know you were in the boxing world and you did other things and i know your lifestyle was i mean you like you said you were you were an angry man um <laughs> fights right you got in a fight i yeah. know that you said you know what are the type of things like as far as the change like you know you said you said you accepted the lord in 80 but from 80 like if i'm getting the, the dates say 80 to about 90 you were like not all the way in not all the way surrendered you were you kind of put your toe in the water, but you were still trying to live a, a well, double the, life, right? Yeah. So what kind of change Exam examples to say, all right, this is who Jerry Macaron was when I was in my world, the things that I used to do, the people I used to hang around. Some examples to what your life was like, because this is your testimony, you know? Yeah. What, what change took place as far as this is me back then to compare to what the transformation what was. changed me was yeah. god when i surrendered to him that's why it says mm -hmm. we can't just say you know accept christ and and uh, and that's over right unless you surrender no god's gonna be your boss absolutely so uh when i surrend my life to the to the lord god does the rest yeah god does everything else Right. Remember, I says when in 1980, I says, take whatever sin between you and I. But then I says, no, no, don't take my card game. Don't take. Yeah, but yeah. 1990, I says, take whatever stands between you, whatever it may be. Right. No, but and, what, what, I think what you're trying to get, what, what, what did, what did your anger make you do that you re regretted to become saved? In other words, did you, you're right? I thought you want to know. Yeah, like, I mean, what was your life like, like a comparison? Before I, you became saved, the things that you've what, done, you examples. What's something you did in anger that you regret? I used to hit everybody out. Really? Yeah. Everybody. Men especially. I can't picture yeah. you like that. Oh, okay. well, yeah. Well, that's because that, you see the change. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, right? you see me after. But if you, if you talk to my wife, you talk to my kids, you talk to my friends. I, just, I got some of my friends that, that uh, one, of the, one of my Friends who used to play soccer with, and he, he, he died recently, uh, not too long ago. One day I met him in Sunnydale, and he says, Jerry, he says, I would have I bet a million dollars that I would see you this way here. So the change that God makes, it's unbelievable. I had so much anger. I, I never knew peace until I met the Prince of Peace. Mm. Ah. That's Jesus Christ. Right. He's, he's the I, Prince I, of Peace. It must be something, because I cannot picture you. I've, I never seen go, you I, I've never seen you get angry. Well, oh. that's because you didn't know me before. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> I had so much anger, and I, I, will not, I, I was unforgiven. I you did boodle me, and I will never forgive you. Oh, wow. So, uh, so I had no, no forgiveness. So I had anger, and that anger used to go into bitterness. And bitterness, it's, you know, it becomes yeah. a sin. So, right. so uh, during those years, I, I never really... I won't change this life for anything else, because... Right now, I can go through anything, anything at all, and I still have peace in my heart. I lost my daughter in 2004 with leukemia. Mm. And uh, the only thing I cry out to the Lord was a lot of people got saved because the way I handled the situation, mm. because any other man wouldn't. But I had so much peace through it all because uh, I, uh, my daughter was supposed to die uh, on, on this weekend, they give her like uh, take her home, yeah, and uh, spend a few hours with uh, a day or two with the family because she's not gonna make the weekend. And uh, I cry out to the Lord that with tears. I don't cry that easy. I cried out to the Lord, and I and I quoted um, 
Psalms 37.4, which it says, uh, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Mm-hmm. And I says, Lord, I says, the desires of my heart is not this world, the things of this world. The desires of my heart is my daughter's about to leave this world. And if she doesn't know Jesus Christ as a Lord and Savior, I'll be devastated for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. Two days later, she uh, she went to uh, uh, a pastor went to see her, and she normally just answers yes or no. And but they had a conversation for about an, an hour and a half. Oh, wow. She accepted the Lord. Uh, my other pastor went before that. She just answered the question, yeah, yes, no, and stuff like that. And uh, she left uh, uh, the hospital. She came home, and all she went. She started wanting to know the Bible. She wanted to know God. So I spent time when she was she used to sleep because of the the pain they used yeah. to give her. The, so she called me when she got up, and I will go and do a Bible study with her. Go through the Bible, and uh, uh, she all she wanted was the Bible. And so that gave me so much uh, uh, strength that you can even imagine because now I know. Where she's gone, mm-hmm. you know, and, uh, and and she's in a better place. Mm-hmm. So the thing is, we miss the people when they pass away in our lives. Mm-hmm. But you know what? God misses them too. He wants them there. You know what? Uh, Psalms one sixteen fifteen says that precious in the sight of, of the Lord is the death of the saints. In other words, God can't wait for us to, to go if you, if you are his child. He can't wait for So we, we want to hold him back, but God mm. so wants him he's, he's in control. Um, you know, I, you see, I see you like, you know, you know, you're a walking Bible, Jerry. I mean, as far as, you know, quoting scripture. And, and I have to say that you're probably one of my mentors you know when i first met you i was just newly saved and i didn't really know much and you know you really came into my life and you you know you showed me how how important the word of god was mm-hmm. you showed me how to walk around with the uh, little index cards and i memorized scripture so you know any bible that i know mm-hmm. you know originally came from you and as you know we you know, we used to work with me, and we started a little Bible study, and that was your idea too. So I want to thank you for that because I would say you like you're a, a big mentor of mine to understand the Word and understand what Christ does in our life. And I remember when uh, when you didn't like some of the things I said because you you were caught up like in religion, so yep. to speak. Mm-hmm. So was I. Right. I was I was in the. You know, caught up in it, but religion never saves you. Absolutely. So once you start digging into the Word of God and get to know God, it's so important. People like don't even know the Ten Commandments of the day, mm-hmm. and it's so important, especially the first one. There should be no other God before me. Mm. And we try to always put other gods, you know, statues and stuff, and you know, God doesn't want that. He's, right. He says, "I am God. That is my name. I will not share my glory with another." Mm-hmm. So. It, that's an Isaiah forty two eight. So, yeah. so we gotta understand what God desires. God desires for us to be like Him, and He's love, right? Mm-hmm. And He lo- He wants us to love one another. Now, the very things that I, that I just says, I used to hate everybody. I love everybody now. Mm-hmm. It's it's a love of God coming out of me to love people. 
And my desire is that they will be safe. The reason why I, I wanted to talk to you and mm-hmm. privately and uh, and share the gospel because that's my desire. That's God's desire that He puts in us. He says in uh, John uh, 13, 34, and 35, a new commandment I will give you love one another. Mm-hmm. Not just love one another, as I love you. Right. Because God put his love into action. Mm-hmm. He says, uh, and by this, everyone will know that you are my disciple mm-hmm. by loving one another. Right. In other words, you don't even, you don't even have to tell them by, you, by showing your love for one another. Right. And, you, and, 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 and as far as the love, Jerry, um, and this is something for you too, Al, a lot of people will be like, yeah, I could love, but you cannot love without God. You can't love without Jesus because... God, there's different types of love, like they say in Greek. Like Greek, Greek, there's different kinds of love, and uh, God's love is called an agape love. It's a deep spiritual, godly love without conditions, right? Yeah. And it's just love, regardless of the situation or what the person did or didn't do. It's love, and in as humans, right? Because our heart is inherently evil without God, we have to put conditions on love. And God doesn't put conditions, correct? Well, the thing is, with God, with God's love is action. Mm. Our love is words. We can say, "I love you," mm. and then you do something else, and you and you want to hit the guy. <laughs> right? yeah. I love you so, if, yeah, right. But God, God's love is action. God, Absolutely. God commanded His love towards us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't wait for us to be righteous. Because we can't be righteous without Him, right. so so we we only uh, inherit God's righteousness. God gives His righteousness. Second Corinthians five, uh, five twenty one. It says, "God, God." Uh oh, he always gets it too. <laughs> yeah, uh, God made Him Jesus, who knew no sin, yeah. to become sin for us, so that. In him, we might become the righteousness of God. Right. We can't become righteous on our own. Absolutely. It's impossible. But God imputed his righteousness in us and while well, he took his sins, our sins away. What an exchange he makes. He takes our sins away, all the bad things we did. He takes them all away and he imputes us with his righteousness. Mm. So now he declares us righteous. Right. What, a, what a God. Who would ex- do that? It's a good exchange. Do you think it did it change the way you train fighters at all? Yeah, that's what I was asked too. Because yes, how sir. how did it translate to the box world? Did the, the boxers that you trained and the people in the box world accept your change right away? Did it take time? Did they understand? Well, I was training uh, also Peter Manfredo Senior for for the for kickboxing and. Uh, when I accept, when I surrender my life to the Lord, I told him I'm uh, I'm done. I don't want to go no more. You too, you weren't going to train anymore. Train yeah, people. I, I, okay. I don't want to be going to the gym no more. Because, because you didn't want to be around that, right? I don't want yeah. to s- listen to that filthiness anymore. Because mm-hmm. I got convicted the first day I surrendered my love, my life to the Lord. I got convicted from uh, filthy words and uh, talking filthy and all that, mm-hmm. all at once. And and so. Uh, so and then I see Peter Manfredo and says, Jerry, he says, you know, come back to the gym. Nobody saw in a week. 
<laughs> Nobody <laughs> swore in a week. <laughs> so they, you know, they begged me to come back. And then the big help was to get back to the gym was my wife. Mm-hmm. My wife, uh, my wife was a really strong woman of God, mm-hmm. believer, and uh, she says to me, she said, uh, "If you do, uh, if you don't go in in these places and and bring the word of God there, who's gonna do it?" Mm-hmm. So God, you know, so, so she pushed me to to go, and, I, and then I, and then I started consider that. Right, because it says in Scripture, we are in the world, but we are not of the world. But we still have to be a part of the world. Yeah. And I have a thing actually hanging up over there, and it's called the World's Bible, right? And it says, basically, a lot of people aren't going to read the Bible. Right. And we are their Bibles, because right. this is what we what they see. So yeah. if you're not around people... Right. Like that, they're never going to see anything of God, anything of Jesus. So yeah. you are supposed to be a reflection, bringing that to them. So yeah. that's good that you went back. Yeah, and what did Jesus say? Go into the whole world Absolutely. and make disciples of all men. Mm-hmm. So he's telling us to go, not to take part. Mm-hmm. He says, uh, he says, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Mm-hmm. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. You want to know God's will? Mm-hmm. You gotta, you gotta stop conforming in, into the world. Romans twelve. No, but go in, give mm-hmm. the message. That's yep. what he's telling us to do. Absolutely. So, so you went back and trained Peter Manfredo, um, and you continue to train other fighters and. Um, did they like they accepted that they just wanted you to train them they were okay with it and how how did you how did it result in 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 the boxer's life did they see any change in themselves i see a lot of a lot yeah. of change uh, you know because i uh, well, now i give the gospel every time i go they mm-hmm. know they can't uh, swear in front of me and like if somebody did they uh like peter would be the first one to, to tell them that not to swear mm-hmm. in front of me and all that and uh, so they knew then we we um, we started running a gym. My my son wanted to to run uh, his own gym, so we we ran Bolero's gym. Okay. Yep. And uh, what we did is we we put our own rules. No filthy language is on, and this and that. If you want to be here, you gotta refrain from that. Mm-hmm. And we brought in Bibles. Okay. And uh, for free for everybody to take. So. Uh, wow. Some people did, some people didn't, mm-hmm. and then we. Uh, uh, I went and visited my friend in, in uh, Las Vegas, and when I got back, uh, my son met uh, Angel Camacho. All right, Angel Camacho. Uh, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. So he introduced me to Angel, and he started, he started working with us, and that's how his career began. And uh, and he, he's still undefeated today. He's fifth. 16 and all, I think. No. Yeah. I read a, a, actually a post. I, I talked to you on the phone, Jerry, how he, he uh, commended you and he thanked you for um, bringing Jesus into his life, correct? Yeah. Angel? Yeah. yeah. Right? And I also, been, uh, if you remember, when, you, when I saw you at uh, Ocean State, yeah. you thanked me for, for what I did to Enrava with because you, even though a lot of things you didn't understand then, yeah. then he, you thank me for it, yeah. and I just thanked me a little while ago. Absolutely, that's what happens. Right. So you're making, you know, change, true change. So you brought, you know, God into a world that normally doesn't accept God because it's it opposes God, right? right? With the with the uh, the violence, with the uh, cursing, with the the pride, the ego. Because you know, boxes are very prideful. Any 
fight games very prideful. Yeah. So you brought in something that usually isn't accepted, and that's well, that's the power of God. But you're His vessel, right? You're you're taking that yep. and you're you're doing it in His name. And I see a lot of people uh, on Facebook mm-hmm. uh, that changed from that, from the witnesses mm-hmm. and stuff that throughout the years. And now they, I see. Now I don't know the true relationship with God, mm-hmm. but they they shown that they uh, you know they are saved and they are uh, they accept the Lord. And I, I see a lot of the the uh, the fighters like uh, Greg Towns always posts good stuff. I don't know if you know Greg yep, Towns. Yeah, Sammy Gerard, Sammy Gerard even fought uh, Mayweather. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so he, you know, he's putting his, the, he's not drinking anymore and this and that. Uh, so I don't know the relationship, but the, mm-hmm. I can see some of the fruits of the labor. Right. Know? So I, I know I spoke to someone. I think his name was Lenny. He 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 was joking. Yeah, he was, shot guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was joking around. He said, "Yeah, all the fighters always wanted Jerry in the corner because they said he's got that holy water." <laughs> <laughs> well, he, see, yeah. Lenny goes back uh, back in 1981. Mm-hmm. He used to be in the gym and uh, down Oneville with us. Uh, so I I know him for a long time as well. Mm-hmm. I saw how I saw Jerry at his as far as boxing. At, at his not his peak, but how many people knew him? And we went we went to Boston to see Jerry. He was a cut man in the main event. Yeah. And uh, the amount of people that came up to Jerry it was like a line of people standing waiting for Jerry. Very remember, well respected. Uh, huh? Remember? Uh, yeah. John, uh, the cha- uh, ex heavyweight champion John Ruiz's trainer Stony. Stony. He came up to you and yeah. he was, he was pretty funny. But the amount of people that knew Jerry was yeah. staggering. Well, well, you should see him like back in the eighties when we had the big team. Like my son uh, was on the on the stand down the civic center, the whole civic center was full, and uh, he was sitting with somebody and said, "Look at your look at your father on age. He's like the mayor. <laughs> Everybody's coming over to me like and talking I, it, to him. And it was like that that day. It really was. Yeah, very everybody well respected, was. Huh? Everybody was. I, I, yeah, it was something to see. I tell well, you, it was unbelievable. But this was like a hundred times more than that. Oh really? Yeah, oh, really. Wow. Yeah, people from everywhere like that. But you know that when you have a a, a big team and uh, a good team and like all the fighters wanted me and I had to reject because I don't want to take your fighter, you know what I'm saying? I don't want to take your fighter. Right. He's with you, but they kept trying to want to go with with me and I don't so want to do that. You don't want to be cutthroat and just take right. people's yeah. fighters. Yeah, which everybody else does it all. Yeah, everybody sure else does it. I can't, you can't imagine. Right. Oh yeah. I, oh, I've, from what you've told me, I know. You also do. You did cut work for MMA. Also, you did some MMA. You did yeah. some MMA cut work. Also, yeah. That big difference from boxing. A lot more cuts. Uh, yeah, yeah. I because uh, he got I'd, elbows. Yeah. And, yeah, I did some cut work. Uh, cut man at uh, um, Foxwoods Casino mm-hmm. with uh, the big things that they do all over the the televised all over yeah. the, all over the world. Is that the uh, um, Bellator? I don't know the guys. I I know the guy's name that hired me, Wayne. Uh-huh. His, his name was Wayne something, but he hasn't. They hasn't come back. They used to pay me like five hundred dollars a night. Wow. And uh, so I took my son to uh, after the, after a while. Mm-hmm. But uh, and we used to take turns. One would help the guys upstairs, and the other one in the corner. And we used to mm-hmm. wait. I go upstairs. So uh, I went downstairs. And then I called my my son. I said, you want to come down? He said, well, I'm rapping somebody. And uh, 
uh, he says, oh, he says, I'll, I'll, I'll do this fight. So this guy got cut uh, on both sides, on the nose, was mm-hmm. was uh, inside the nose. The oh, smooth, wow. Was, it was a mess. So uh, when I when I came back out, uh, all the people on ringside said, wow, what, what a job you did on, you know. And then, yeah. So my son says to me, he says, Dad, says, I'm glad I'm glad I didn't come down for that fight because he was supposed to do that fight. Oh, <laughs> oh wow. You wouldn't be able to handle that cut, huh? Those yeah, cuts. Well, yeah. sometimes when you got two or three cuts, it's the, to me, I find to, to be a cut man uh, uh, so easy to stop the, the bleeding, mm. which you got to know the secret why the, the, they yep. don't stop. If you watch the fights, they they only work on the on the like five ten seconds. Yep. You're not gonna stop the fight the cut. You're gonna keep working round after round after round. Mm. I do it for forty seconds. Oh. So the pressure for forty seconds with that adrenaline, and mm-hmm. I, I I'm very very comfortable with adrenaline one 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 thousand. That's the legal one. Right. And uh, I work once. I worked the second time that 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 cut is sealed completely. Wow. Completely. Yep. I don't have to touch it no more. You also do a thing where I think you had told me before, like you revive you do a thing to revive the boxers too. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You told me that. Yeah. I used to what I used to do is uh, I did it even uh, with uh, with Gary Boletto, mm-hmm. because I used to be his cut mentor. And uh we went to Boston and I uh, and he fought another fight there and he and he uh and you I he appeared to be tired. Sometimes you need that second mm-hmm. wind. So I got the the towel. I soaked it in, in ice. I what I came up with an, an ice bag uh, to put the ice in. That's uh, the the it's all holes in in there, but it doesn't stick. Before I used to do it, stick it to the uh, uh, the ice in the in the bucket, and then put the towel in this, and the, the ice will stick all over the 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 towel mm. oh yeah so i got a bag i found a way to find a bag mm-hmm. we could put the eyes in the bag so they, don't, they don't touch the towel oh wow so so that was a blessing so i i uh and he told me like uh after the fight he says wow he says whatever you did or whatever he says was you know you revived yeah. me Woke him said, right up. yeah hey, but and i did with peter manfred with uh with the first fight i did on um his kickboxing when mm-hmm. he wanted to make a uh, he, he didn't want to retire because he lost he was he fought a, a fight up in Rocky Point and he lost it and that was his last fight he asked me to work the corner that night and I was just starting to to be in his gym and uh, he says to me after the fight he says that's my best fight I don't want to retire is a, with a loss would you help me to do the next fight so we did the next fight. We fought up in New York, and he, uh, he fought a guy in the top 15 in the world. Yep. And, uh, you know, I had him ready in good shape. But then after the second round, he, he seemed like I can see it. He was, he was getting tired. So I got the towel, and I I put it all over him and the joints and stuff. Yep. And he uh, and he, he, he arrived. He came back, and he, he, he gave this... The guy said, uh, stand an eight count in the next round. Then he finished the other two rounds strong, and he, you know, he won the fight big. He never forget that. Mm. <laughs> so, wow. so uh, yeah, 
I was I was good with that. That's why you're a celebrity in the boxing world because you know your stuff. Well, the the thing is, I I take care of my fighters. Yeah. The kid, the fighters become like my kids. Right. I won't want to put like, like people. They throw them in and they get them beat up and beat yeah. up. They're just do- the, they're just dollar the signs to some people. And right? that doesn't work. Yeah. It doesn't work because what it does it, it kills your confidence. Mm. So you got to bring back bring them. You know, a little bit at a time. To climb the roof, you can't make one jump. Right. Do one step at a time. Gotcha. And the same thing with that. If you if you like really exhausted now, they will oh go another couple of rounds. If you if you're really exhausted and you go a couple of more rounds, it's gonna it's gonna kill your confidence because you're gonna get beat up. Mm. That's how Dino Dennis wound up losing his confidence mm-hmm. with Leroy Jones. He beat the guy for the first three rounds, but then he didn't have nothing left. And so well, he, that's why, just knowing Jerry, the you know the time I've known him, he taught me more about boxing. I watched boxing since I was ten years old, and I learned more listening to Jerry. Oh yeah. Like as far as I, I didn't realize how much of a confidence plays a role. Oh, and I know, exactly. I know. You tell me, and I, I understand what you're saying. If you would have saw, you want to see the best example that I've seen of Jerry training? Watch uh, Angel Camacho versus Rich... Uh, Gingras. Gingras. Because when I tell you, the, Camacho looks so good. Uh, it Al, was beautiful. That fight, nobody gave uh, uh, Camacho a chance. Oh, no. Yeah, I know. No, he was, nobody. Everybody thought that Camacho was going to get knocked out. Yep. I was so confident, he was so confident that we were going to win that fight. I said, just follow the instructions. We got to outbox me stronger and you're faster. Yep. And you got the talent. So we stick to the plan. And and if you remember, in the fourth round, uh, Angel got, got it with a good right mm-hmm. hand, right? Yep. Do you remember that? Yep. He got it with a, and I came back into the corner and I screamed and I said, do you want to win this fight? He says, yeah. Why? What would I do? I says, you got to follow the plan. I says, you can't be mixing it up with him. He says, he didn't hurt me. I says, it doesn't matter if he hurt you. Everybody thought he hurt him. Right. He says, he didn't hurt me. He didn't hurt me at all. So he, yeah, I, he observed me. He used to take a good punch. He, uh, he, he switched left and right-handed oh. through the whole fight. It was incredible. Right. Yeah. But the best punch, not punch, but the best thing I saw land was Jerry slapping. <laughs> <laughs> Jerry, Jerry smacked him. You slapped your fighter? No, I didn't smack him. Oh, okay. I yelled at him. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I, I was saying something. I yelled at him. I yelled at him. But but it, anyway, after that, he's... Uh, yeah, he, w- he yeah. looked the best. He looked incredible. The best I liked his finish work. He hit him with nine straight, comp- nine straight punches, and, and he was about to f- go down, and, and uh, Lupino, Joe Lupino, the referee, yeah. stepped in and got him, but he... It was he, incredible. He was landing the 10 oh, yeah. punches all in a row. Oh, I, got more, I got more phone calls from people. that The first one was Peter Manfredi. Jerry, he says, everybody told me, everybody told me this. You're going to get knocked out. He's going to get knocked out. And uh, he says, he, you know, he, he did, so I can't believe he hit him with a five-punch combination. Uh, I says, no, that was nine punches. <laughs> <laughs> well, Correction. you know, and that, that's no disrespect for, to Jingers. He's a tough kid, and he's a good fighter and a, yeah. a real tough guy. Yeah. You know, I... Uh, he was an Olympian, uh, Jingers. Oh, he was what? An Olympian. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he, 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 he fought a, as a heavyweight at one time, and he came uh, down. Cruise, cruiserweight. Cruiserweight? Yeah. He, he was... Uh, at, at least we thought it was going to be... And it wasn't, uh, it wasn't a competitive fight, but it, we thought it was going to be more of a, a war, but mm-hmm. 
it, that Camacho would just look so slick, you know. Right. Yeah. And that's when you saw uh, it was like you know a professional, professional. You know, Jerry had him looking. That's the best I saw. Mm. That's the best example of Jerry's training. Uh, now you said your uh, your son is in the fight, fight game now. Is he in the? No, no, uh, no. My son was in the fight game, but when okay. uh, when we stopped with the Camacho, we uh, buddy okay. Camacho gets to him. Mm-hmm. And he calls. Oh, I want to make a comeback, and he, my son gives in. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Is he, so. is now is Camacho fighting again? Or no? He's not fighting. I'm. No, oh. I don't. We're not going to be involved with him anymore. Oh, okay. I don't know if my son's going to be. But so, you, but you're officially retired from the. Yeah. Fight yeah I can't. I can't. Um, I. I have yeah. to take care of my wife. Right. Right. Uh, I can get out in the daytime and the, uh, in the morning. When she sleeps until yesterday. She got up like about four o'clock. Right. So, so, so as far as you know, we we mentioned you have you're married and uh, how many children you have? Children I and have, grandchildren. I uh, have. Uh, I had five children. One mm-hmm. I had it with my first wife. Mm-hmm. She lives in in Texas. Mm-hmm. I I we split up right away with my first wife. I was I was a weco, and. Uh, didn't take no crap from anybody, and so I either do this or you or you mm. or you hurt the dog. So right. she didn't do it. I told her go, and uh, and that was the end. She tried to get back with me, and I said that's it. I told you, I told you you leave you leave the house, go, go with the mother. I says you don't come back no more because mm. I didn't get along with the mother. So that was your anger. Oh yeah. Then uh, like I had a. a when we first got married, I bought furniture from our jail up up Treasure Hill. I put a couple hundred dollars down, but then we got about twenty-three hundred dollars worth of furniture. Uh, so we had the whole house. So when we split up, um, her mother sent a, a truck over my house to pick up the furniture. Oh. So I told the guy, and says, "What furniture?" I says, "The furniture is mine." He says, uh, no, they told me to come and pick up the furniture. I says, I says, buddy, I said, you better leave. So the guy says, well, then uh, you owe me $25 because. $25. <laughs> I says, $25. I said, did I call you? He says, no. I said, well, go see the people who called you and you get to $25. Yeah, yeah. And he came in and I says, listen, buddy. You don't leave right now. I said, I'm going to roll you down the steps. <laughs> <laughs> so he got up and he, and he, and he oh, left. Yeah. So I called J.O. and I told, go take, go get your furniture back, otherwise you lose the furniture, and you lose the money. Oh, I can't do that. I said, okay. So I'm not paying you. I says, and you're gonna get stuck the furniture as well. So, <laughs> so, so he went and get it. <laughs> so needless to say, you uh, surrendering your life to God uh, really made a difference in, oh, in as you as a husband and the father. Yeah, and the children, the grandchildren. I got 13 grandchildren. Wow. And I got 13 great-grandchildren. Wow. (laughs) We'd be also like, wow, at the same time. 26 in all. Oh, God. Yeah. Wow. That's incredible. That's incredible, yeah. So, I mean, it's changed, you know, your whole life. Yeah. Um, it's changed you. I mean, because if I mean, if you didn't get become saved, if you didn't become born again and, and surrender your life, you might not be married now. I didn't have and, no life. Yeah, I didn't have no peace. I mm-hmm. never had peace until 
to like mm-hmm. like I, I met the Prince of Peace. Right, and I you know yeah. I was I was speaking. To, I can I can go through anything right now and still have, like the you know sometimes you can get hangry, yeah. but the, you know what the Bible says, because Jesus Jesus got hangry too. Remember? At yeah, the, he flipped the tables, right? Yeah. So, the Bible says, "Be hangry and sin not." Mm. How do you do that? Don't let the sun go down. Yeah. That's that's the key. Yeah. Don't take it to the next day because now it's going to get rooted in it you. It says if you do, you give the devil a foothold, right? There you go. Yep. See? So that's, a, you know, you can get hungry if, and for, for a moment, but leave it there. Yeah, and you spoke so. about, you know, you never had peace before. Hmm. And I, I was speak, speaking to a couple of people um, this week, actually, and, you know, you, we all have an emptiness in our, in our lives, right? And yep. a lot of people s- try to fill that void with, material things whether it be money uh drugs drugs right yeah. uh, anything like that you could, you could fill it with a person yeah. another person yeah. uh whatever it may be but guess what you cannot fill a spiritual void with material things because that's how god that's that, how god created us absolutely. he created us with a void in our heart that mm-hmm. only he can fill right you can't fill it with anything else absolutely everything else it, it, it's uh momentarily mm-hmm. okay you you got a job. You're making a lot of money. Uh, it's temporary. It dies out. But right. the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will remain forever. Right. Forever. Absolutely. So he's the only one that can fill that void. And, you know, people chase and chase and chase. And like you yeah. say, it's a momentarily filled. But then they, you know, they have to get something else, get something else. Get, and that leads them... You know, it's yeah. like a, a, a hamster and a, and a spinning in a wheel, right? right? It's yeah. just, it doesn't work. Nope. So, you know, you've you've changed your life. You know, you were a man. No, I didn't change it. Oh, I'm sorry. God, Misspoken. God, sorry. God, God changed God changed your life, but you had to surrender. Yeah. Um, so you were a man who didn't have peace. You were uh, violent at times. Um, you gambled. And I, I wanted to touch one thing, too, because you did mention this before. You had the anxiety. Speak on that, what you, you were like with the anxiety. Well, I, I guess anxiety is so bad, so bad that uh, I couldn't even walk. I couldn't even uh, speak. Mm. Like I used to work in uh, this company, Lizona. It was a big shop. And I, and I had to leave the work almost every day. My my brother will walk me to the door, and sometimes, like someone like you, started talking to me. I couldn't even answer back. Mm. It was so bad that I w- I wanted to die. I, c- I couldn't sleep laying down. I had to sleep like sitting sitting down. Pains in the chest, sweating and stuff. It was it was horrible. Right. I won't even wish to a dog. Yeah. And then I understood how people. There's, there's like about 40 million people suffering with anxiety. Mm. And uh, people don't understand. Now, I understand because uh, because what happened to me, I didn't have no control of it. No, no, no control at all. Nothing to get the, that you can try to fix. It was the Word of God. that mm. I started digging into the Word of God, and I started... And I know God can, can rescue the first time and settle by... But he kept, you know, he kept healing me gradually because that's how he keeps you. Mm-hmm. And uh, after that, after that, God started healing me. I was like memorizing scriptures. Like I had this little Bible with me. I think I still have it in my pocket. Let me see. 
I see it, a lot of money there, Jerry. Are you sure is that a Bible? Then? Yeah. Um, wow. I don't know. I am not. But it says, it says in the beginning, keep this Bible with you and read it daily. Yeah. For man should not live on bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Mm -hmm. And what it showed me, God spoke to me that in the same way we need the, the food for the body, right. we need a word for our soul. Mm -hmm. So I started reading this little book every day. And before I know, I memorized the whole book. The little, it's a little book, but I memorized the whole thing. I didn't even realize. Mm. And then I said, wow. I, you know, I saw, so God showed me how to memorize the word. And then when he spoke to me through the word, I, I want to memorize. So, so the, the thing is, with, uh, with the anxiety, uh, I met so many people in churches. I was work. I was going to a church in uh, um, Swansea. Mm -hmm. Actually, was it was first in uh, Warren, then we moved to Swansea. But I, I met uh, people like over and over again that suffered with anxiety. And because God was set me free from anxiety, I told the pastor. I says, uh, I says, I don't realize how many people. Uh, even in the church, mm. but with anxiety, I says you should do some uh, uh, message on anxiety. So he says you do it. He says I'll take the room upstairs. You can pay about twenty people. Mm. He says I'm making them. Now I don't want to do it. But I want him to do it. I'm not. I'm not right. a teacher at that point. So, so he he says I'm making the announcement, and. Uh, so he made this, the announcement and filled out the first, the first announcement. Mm. The, the room, 20 people signed up. Oh, wow. And uh, we did six lessons, and uh, they all wanted more. After that, they wanted me to keep going and stuff like that because a lot of people would, uh, were suffering with this anxiety. Well, that's a lot of basic. Uh, some people, a lot of people, I was, when I was in rehab, turned to drugs. From anxiety, they look first. They start out with the Xanax, uh, mm -hmm. and that leads them to you know Xanax. Uh, the pharmaceutical companies make billions off of people's uh, right. anxiety. And that's because they lack, like Jerry said, they lack peace in their life, and they they're trying to fill that void. So you know, God has worked in your life, Jerry, and that's why I wanted you to come on. You know, the boxing stuff's interesting. Your life is interesting, but what God has done in your life is is the best part. How He's changed you from a a, a man without peace, a man who was angry at everyone, who was full of hate, full of violence, uh, and an anxiety on top of that, mm -hmm. and then it affected your your first marriage. I'm sure it it, it affected other things in your life. So it's amazing that what God's done in your life. And um, so, you know, in closing, um, we're going to have a lot of people listening to this podcast who believe. They are believers. Uh, but we also have people who, who don't believe or mm -hmm. maybe on the fence or, you know, everybody's looking for something. Everybody yeah. wants to feel better, right. be better, right? And live a, 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 a joyful life, a peaceful life. So in closing... You know, speak to the people who don't have God in their life, and and just and just you know briefly say you know what God's done for you, and why they should just keep an open mind and and, and you know maybe ask God into their life. Well, God is uh, like any anything else. Like if you want to have a, a a relationship with someone, if you want to have a relationship with your wife, you gotta you gotta communicate with one another. 
uh, well, friends. You gotta, to, in order for me to get to know you, we got to spend time mm-hmm. together. Mm-hmm. Uh, so with anything else, it's, and it's same thing with God. The more time we spend with God, the more we get to know what he's like. God is good. God is righteous. It says in, in Jeremiah uh, 3240 that, he says he's, he's so good to us, and he n- never stopped doing good to us. He'll mm-hmm. never stop. Now, sometimes we, you know, we say we're, you know, we're bad, we're sinners, this and that. When we accept the Lord, when we, we, we don't become sinners, we're not sinners any longer. I did a study on sin. He changes a sinner to a saint. Mm. So 78 times from, from first... Uh, Samuel, until the book of Revelation, 78 times he calls us sins. Yet we call ourselves sinners. Mm. God declares you a saint, but yet people keep saying, oh, we're sinners. No, we were sinners. And even though if we sin, we skip sometimes, we're still the sins of God. Mm-hmm. He, he declares us the saints. So, but God, God is good and he's righteous, so he's, but he's also a, a just God. Because if you don't receive... The, the gift of salvation that he sacrificed his own son for us, then, you like some people say, God chooses the people who go to hell. God doesn't choose people who go to hell ahead of time. God says that uh, that he loves everyone and he wants everyone to repent and come to him. Mm. So uh, in uh, Matthew 25, 41, Jesus says that uh, the the lake of fire is is for the for the devil and his angels. Now, if you want to go, if you don't want, if you if you don't want to listen to him, if you don't want to receive Christ for what he's done for you, he's the right judge. And if he if he lets you go to heaven anyway, he, he won't be a right judge, mm-hmm. a just judge. Like if you so, commit a crime and, and the judge lets you go, lets you go, right. yeah. So he went, but God is a just God. So, in uh, John uh, five thirty nine and forty, he talks to the people in in Israel, the the Israelite, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and all, that, and he says you you diligently study the scriptures, so you think that by them you have life. These scriptures are talking about me, yet you refuse to come to me. Mm. To, to receive life. So if you refuse to come to him, he ain't got no other, uh, yeah, you know, that's that's your road. Your road is be separated from God. Right, and when they speak about death, a lot of times in the Bible, it's not always the physical death, it's a spiritual death, which is a separation S- from God, right? Second and that's, death, that's called a second the death. second death. Yeah. So that's the eternal second death where you're, you're separated from God. So we get... You know the benefactor ultimately of of our salvation of eternity, but yeah. also as you can proclaim, you can bear fruit in this life, and you can have peace, and you can have joy, right? Yeah. In this in this life, you know where a lot of people are searching for that, yeah. and they don't understand why they don't have that. Correct. By, by the way, my 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 first wife, I had a child, and I didn't see her for like twenty one years mm-hmm. after you know we separated. And then they invited me to the, she got married, and they, she invited me to the wedding. Mm. And uh, I kind of didn't want to go because I figured maybe it's a slap in the face of what uh, everything that I did throughout the past. And 
And my wife convinced me to go. She says, you don't know what, what it means for a daughter to have her father at the wedding. So I called him up and I says, okay, so I'm going to come. But he says, is it all right if I take my wife? And he says, sure. So we have a, so we went to the wedding and I had a camera. I took the wedding uh, ceremony and everything else. And we have the greatest relationship now with, oh. with her That's since Amen. 1985. Wow. Beautiful. And, and mm-hmm. uh, I got three beautiful grandchildren there. Her husband is like my son to me. And uh, we we have a really great relationship. Excellent. Yeah. So, Jerry, this has been excellent. And um, I thank you for coming on the podcast. I thank you for sharing your your story, your testimony, and what God has done in your life. And just keep on doing what you're doing, spreading the word of God and, and making making it different. You being mm-hmm. God's uh, vessel and ambassador. So we thank you very much. And for you and he's <laughs> jerry speaking to al so Jer- jerry yeah. what do you want to say to al i want to tell alice that you don't know what he's missing if he's i don't know i don't know <laughs> what he's done the last few years i haven't seen him mm-hmm. but i i'll tell you uh, it's the best life you can have with christ Absolutely. there's nothing bad in this world the the, the the bible says well should a prophet a man if you gain the whole world and lose your soul so I don't know your relationship with God, but I know I talked to you before about it, but I pray that uh, if it's not, that you make it right. Thank you. Okay. Well, God, God's going to work. Well, I respect Jerry, so <laughs> I respect Jerry's words. So. Absolutely. So, all right, well, thank you, Jerry. We appreciate you being on the show, and we will see you next time. Thanks, guys. Nice song, Sal. Thank you. Sal.